0: Anna Massad was a pastor in Gaza City. His Christian community experienced two bombings. Then his colleague was kidnapped and martyred for his faith in Christ. How could Pastor Massad continue to minister under these conditions? The Lord put this assurance in
1: his heart. If you are in my will, even if you live in one of the most difficult places in the world, like Gaza, that would be the best place for you. But if you are out of my will and living in the greatest country in the world, America, that will be the worst place for you. So the best place for you and for me, loved one, God help us wherever we live to be in the midst of his will because that's the best place and the safest place. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. Last week we heard part one of a conversation with Hannah Massad. He served as the pastor of Gaza Baptist Church. And he told us about some of the persecution that he and his congregation faced. To get you up to speed for today's conversation, I'll remind you of some of those things. Pastor Massad's wife oversaw the Bible Society in Gaza. That organization was bombed twice. Then a co-worker at the Bible Society, Rami Ayad, was kidnapped and killed for his faith in Christ. Rami's widow, Pauline, was our guest last fall On VOM Radio, you can hear that interview at our website, vomradio.net. When we left off the conversation last week, Pastor Hassad was telling us about the aftermath of this violence. He and his family were committed to staying in Gaza, even in the midst of all the danger, for as long as they possibly could. I asked Pastor Massad if there were any scriptures that particularly stood out to him during that season of intense persecution? You know, one of
1: the things um, the undercover police in Gaza told us when we went through persecution, they told us, we cannot protect you. You got to take care of yourself. Wow. So... When I say the Lord is my shepherd or the Lord is my refuge or the Lord of my shelter, I better mean it literally because there is time nobody will help you and you really need to lean 100% on the Lord. So the scripture become even more real to you. And then also you start to ask yourself the big questions in life, the uh, serious question, you know, especially when you feel your life on, on the line, you know. What his life is all about. What is the most important thing for me, and uh, how you know want to live and to reflect the Lord love um, in this difficult situation.
0: Before we go on with your story, let, let's can you give an update on on Pauline because we had her on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and I know she she talked a lot in our conversation about forgiving and coming to the point of really truly forgiving the people who killed Rami. But she's still doing ministry.
1: Yes. Yeah, we're really are blessed with the life of Pauline and her ministry. And um, uh, Pauline now is helping uh, about 16 young widows um, in the West Bank. Um, wow. And she's uh, helping them in different ways, spiritually and with other needs. And uh, so we're really blessed to see how the Lord uh, shaping her personality, especially after she lost her husband and how God using her and how she's investing her life uh, in the life of other and in especially, specifically in the life of other young widows in the in the West Bank. And it's really a blessing uh, that we partner together and uh, able to work together uh, even at this stage uh, in our lives. You know, Pauline mentioned about Rami. She said Rami could come back if he wants to, if he did what these people want him to. To do, mm-hmm. But in the most difficult time of his life, he, I'm pretty sure remember the words of Jesus. If you confess me before people, I confess you in the front of my Heavenly Father. But if you deny me before people, I will deny you in front of my Heavenly Father. And this is my prayer for you and for me. If it's God will one day that we walk that road, the road of the cross, Lord, help me as you are and as your followers like Rami. He kept his eyes on the Lord. Lord, help me not to be hesitant, not withdraw, but help me in the darkest hour of my life to keep my eyes on, on you. And you know, the scripture teaches us there is no disciple better than his teacher, and there is no slave better than his master. And if there were a cross in the life of our Lord, and as you know, we have brothers and sisters around the world, almost every day they lay their life for what they believe in. Help me, Lord to reflect your love, and just to be faithful to to the end. And really the Lord helped us, you know, taught us a lot of things. And the most powerful tool for us as followers for Christ is the power of love and the power of forgiveness. And Jesus is the one and the only one who said, you know, love your enemies. Mm -hmm. Pray for those who curse you. And, um, you know, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And uh, we experience that in our life because we experience his love and forgiveness. We're able to forgive. And as Brother Todd mentioned about Pauline, uh, how she's willing to forgive. And when you and I remember how much he forgave me and you, and how he wants us also to forgive to forgive other. And quickly, the Lord taught us, really, the power of his presence. And I think, Brother Todd, one of the most beautiful things for me and for you as followers, as disciples of Christ, when we bow our head, close our eyes, and just feel his loving arm is embracing us in the most difficult time of our life. This is precious. And this is really one of the most beautiful things. So we didn't want anything small or big affect our relationship uh, with, with the Lord. And quickly, may I just mention the last thing is uh, what kind of legacy, and this is what the Lord taught us, what kind of legacy we want to leave behind. You know, Rami was in 30 when he murders. I two know. more weeks to go. Wow. But the legacy he left is continue to live with us the rest of our life. And I just pray God help us uh, uh, to reflect the uh, legacy will be pleasing and bringing glory to his name. The words of Paul in Second Timothy, last chapter, you know, about maybe a few months before he was murdered. Paul said this word, I had fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I finished the race. And... Um, Paul invested his life in a way was pleasing to the Lord. And I just pray for you and for me, God help us the rest of our life to live it in a way will bring a glory to your name. And I think one of the most beautiful things for you and for me, especially when you feel the journey is getting closer to be with the Lord, that you able to stand in the presence of the Lord and just, you know, lift your heart to Him, Lord. Uh, what you trusted in my heart, the way I want to live, I want to live it uh, in a way. And it will be wonderful to hear his loving voice, well done, faithful servant, enter the presence of your master. So my prayer for you and for me, loved one, Lord, wherever I live, help me to reflect your love and help me to be a blessing and to live it in a way Will it bring glory to your name.
0: We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Pastor Hannah Massad. He is the leader of Christian Mission to Gaza. So there's bombings at the Bible Society. Rami is killed. You and several other families in the church, you leave Gaza. It's not safe. And in your mind, you're thinking, we're going to be gone a few weeks. We're going to let things kind of settle down. And then we're going to come back, and we're going to go right back to ministry. How when when did it become clear we can't go back? It's it's never gonna be the right time to go back. How did God reveal that to you? And how hard was that for you to think, you know, we're not going to be able to go back.
1: Hmm. You know, after six months, actually, I mean, the plan will want to go back after a few weeks or so, but uh, things, it was a little complicated concerning the political situation and permission to enter Gaza, not to enter uh, Gaza. But uh, I remember after six months, you know, Suhad, uh, you know, said, I'm ready, you know, I want to go back. And uh, we tried different ways and uh, the doors were closed. And this is what, some of the ways the Lord show us is uh, what his will is uh, by closing door. Uh, if we remember, you know, Paul, uh, when he was in Asia Minor, you know, he wanted to go to Ephesus area to speak, and the door was closed. He went to go to Bithynia, and the door was closed. He came down to Turwas when the Lord opened through a vision. So through closed doors, the Lord revealed his will. And this is what we we just felt, you know, as we knocking on different doors, the door were closed. Uh, Then to make the story short, uh, the the Lord opened the door for us to go to Jordan. And God really connected us with other brothers and sisters who are also persecuted, who also went through pain and suffering, is the Iraqi Christian refugees. And here we are in Jordan and, um, you know, working, pastoring. uh, that congregation uh, for for 6 years and uh, we continue uh, to minister uh, in Gaza in West Bank but uh, West Bank and also in Jordan but in different uh, mm-hmm. different ways
0: uh, I mean you grew up in Gaza that was home to you to not right. be able to go back home did you, did you go through kind of a grief stage of, mm-hmm. of saying we're not going to be able to go back there or did the lord just make it so clear that you were just moving forward
1: You know, um, when we left Gaza after when we evacuated after the persecution, I looked at my wife and I said, um, and it was emotional time. And I said, I didn't feel this is the right way that I want to exit Gaza and I want to come back. So this is why until today, I continue to go to Gaza, you know, at least three times a year to minister to the church and to the community and to the christian school there and to the library and also uh, helping um, the christian community and even the wider community with relief because the poverty uh, it's a huge they say 80% of the people in Gaza they depend on different charities for food wow so there's a lot of need there's a lot of incha- there's a lot of opportunities and there is people who never met uh, a christian person in their entire life and here you are by the grace of God to share with people who you are, why you do what you do and uh, and uh, I'm sure the hearts of people will be touched with uh, the Lord's love.
0: There are a lot of people in that part of the world who hear Palestinian Christian mm-hmm. and say, well, the, th- that those two don't go together. If, if you're Palestinian, mm-hmm. you're a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that whole identity, the identity segment of that, and how you can say, no, I am Palestinian, and I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ.
1: Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, our roots really go back um, to the day of Pentecost, uh, like in Acts 2. There's 14 different ethnic groups listening to Peter in his first sermon. Uh, One of these groups were Arab. So really, our roots uh, go back. So... The message of the gospel, um, you know, started, you know, Acts one eight uh, in Jerusalem when people received the power, and um, uh, the message of the gospel started there. And uh, so our roots really go back to many, many generations. But the sad thing is uh, the traditional church. I believe the Lord have children in every church, but sometimes the tradition, um, it took over. But really the roots and the heritage and the history, um, it's go back to to many, many generations. But uh, we really blessed uh, that the Lord opened doors for us to reach out to others uh, with his love and uh, with his grace.
0: You mentioned going back to Gaza now and still ministering there. What is it like to be a Christian in Gaza today? Is is Gaza Baptist Church? Does it still exist? Is it still having services? What What's the situation for Christians in Gaza now?
1: You know, uh, sometimes people ask me like, "What is like um, to live in Gaza?" Usually, my respond uh, will say, "I never been in prison, but I lived in one when I was in Gaza because there is siege like from um, almost everywhere." Uh, thank God uh, the ministry continue. Uh, please pray for the church in Gaza because they've been without a pastor for the last two three years. But every Sunday uh, we have live Zoom with the church in Gaza and also with other brothers and sisters around the world who care about the church. And also the library, which is part of um, the church, which is the only Christian public library in the whole Gaza Strip, whereas the wider community, uh, people from different background, they come to use the library. And there is good section also in that library, Christian books, where people uh, from different universities, they come and uh, spend time where they want quiet time. And uh, God using, you know, that church and also using the library to be a blessing um, for the Christian community and the wider community.
0: Is there still the level of danger that there was? You know, are are there still bombings happening? Are there still Christians being killed? Or is it a little more stable now? Or is it is it hard to answer that question from week to week?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to to go in details with that question. But um, I mean, we able to meet um, as a Christian community uh, in in a safer place uh, in the church and the building of Gaza Baptist. But um, again, um, you need um, wisdom um, uh, concerning uh, how to reflect his love to the wider community. Mm -hmm.
0: We often end at the point of prayer, but I want to talk specifically right now. How do we pray? You've talked about some things, safety uh, protection and wisdom to know how to how to interact with the community, the wider community. Mm-hmm. Are there other specific ways to pray for Christians in specifically in Gaza this week?
1: Yeah, please uh, pray for the leaders um, in the in the church and in the library uh, to be a blessing uh, for the community, the Christian community, and also uh, the wider community. Please pray uh, for provision uh, for the Christian community and also. The wider, and that the Lord continue to use the library uh, to be blessing um, for for the community, and it just um, you know, also the political situation and the tension is very difficult. So I know and you know, there is no real peace without the Prince of Peace. Amen. But uh, let us pray. Um, hopefully, maybe people will stop killing each other, and but in the same time, people and um, in Gaza and also be beyond will experience um, the Prince of Peace uh, in personal way. Amen. We're talking
0: this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Pastor Hannah Massad. He is the president and the founder of Christian Mission to Gaza. Their website, in case you want to visit, is cm2, the number two g.org cm2g.org Christian mission to Gaza I would encourage you to visit Pastor Hannah's book is called pastor from Gaza you can get that on Amazon or uh, through their website Pastor Hannah let's talk about your ministry today because you know you're still ministering in Gaza several times a year but you're also working in Jordan you're also working in Egypt you're working around other places in the Middle East Tell me a little bit about Christian Mission to Gaza and about what your ministry looks like today.
1: You know, we started back in the fall 1999 as nonprofit. We minister, as you mentioned, not only in Gaza, but beyond. Um, we support uh, orphanages um, in Egypt and also one in Lebanon and one in the West Bank. And also we reach out to orphans and widows in these areas. Of course, we continue to support in a regular basis about 700 Iraqi Christian refugee families in Jordan. And we have uh, about 10 leaders who carry the ministry in regular basis uh, in Jordan, Gaza, and West Bank as well. In Jordan, we try um, to balance their physical need with their spiritual needs because uh, they went through persecution and uh Uh, difficulties and uh, God is is using that and actually the ministry among the refugees in Jordan started back in 1991 and uh, with the first Gulf War if you remember Mm -hmm. and then The Lord continued to use this ministry until today. And as I said, uh, uh, there is about uh, 700 families we help in regular places uh, with their need, with their food, but in the same time. For example, every Tuesday we have about 10 buses going to different locations where the refugees and bring them to the church. Because really the the purpose of this ministry, um, three things, to encourage people to come to hear the, the word of God, to hear the the gospel, and then uh, the one who's interested um, and accept the Lord as Savior uh, and Lord uh, will start to grow uh, in their faith, uh, will be discipled, and then the third thing, when the time come to immigrate, they have something very precious in their hearts. They have the Lord, and really, the Lord raised leaders and pastors from. Uh, that congregation, and so when the time comes to immigrate to the west, you know they start Arabic-speaking uh, congregation or Arabic, you know Bible study in their their home uh, in the new countries because they come to Jordan for a transition period of time. So this is the time when we minister to them, and the Lord using that time uh, to be blessing for them and also blessing for the new countries they uh, immigrated to.
0: Do any of those families desire to go back to Iraq or is that they are waiting to get to the West, really? Yeah, the
1: majority really just want to go because um, many of them went through difficult times and they didn't want to go back. So we see many of them settle down in different countries like in U.S., Canada, Australia, Europe.
0: In that work, specifically with refugees, what are some of the biggest challenges? Like, like what's the hardest part of, of that work?
1: The, for example, Iraqi Christian refugees in Jordan, they're not allowed to work. So how you support your family if you're not allowed to work. Because, you know, to get permission to work, it's very complicated and very expensive. And many of them, they're not able to offer that. So they depend on different churches, um, you know, for help and for, for support. And uh, and also they depend on their extended family. But um, extended family could help you, you know, for a while, but then it's become a burden.
0: Just to remind listeners, some of these families in Jordan, have been there for four and five and six and seven years. It's not like they got there last month. It's a long-term issue for them to figure out how to support themselves.
1: Yeah, and the sad thing is when uh, their children not able to go to school because uh, as a Christian, when they go to school, um, especially the, the young ones, uh, they experience persecution. And that leave um, horrible marks and hurts in their life, and uh, this is one of the really um, the things really broke our hearts when we minister to them, uh, when their children waste you know um, one year, two years, three years, four years without school, and uh, so and, and tr- you can never make that up. Exactly, <laughs> I mean, it's there's no way you can make that up. So we try to find some ways to help them to get back to school. And, you know, it's also blessing to see how many of them they develop and they start personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. They even start to thank the Lord, you know, that thank you for allowing us to go through that persecution. Wow. Um, because, you know, many of them, they came from nominally Christian background, but it's a blessing to see uh, how many came to put their trust and renewed their life in a very personal way with the Lord
0: how much of a how much of a entry point is it the fact that you in your own story have been through persecution when you sit down with an iraqi family who's been through persecution how how much does does your story help you to be able to understand them and minister to them and encourage them
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we felt really God connected us together through pain and suffering and through persecution because both of them. So, you know, there's times when we uh, cry together as we pray, as we listen, as we encourage one another, as we laugh together, and they throw both of us, what we went through, we able to relate to each other even in a deeper way and in a better way. And that's really been a blessing, but also to see them grow and also to see God's call in their life and how the Lord um, continue to guide and to lead and to provide uh, for them even in this difficult time and the same way how the Lord work in our life. And it's really beautiful to see how the Lord is walking alongside of us in this journey of life and journey of faith.
0: As we finish up, I mentioned we always want to equip people to pray. As we think about the work in Iraq and the work among the refugees, what are some specific ways that that our listeners can pray this week?
1: Um, yeah, please can uh, pray uh, for the people who are waiting because, uh, as Brother Todd mentioned, uh, sometimes they have to wait for uh, several years and and uh, just uh, for provision uh, because, as I mentioned, they are not allowed uh, to work uh, legally in Jordan and uh, just. Uh, God help us uh, to be fruitful in in the ministry as we reach out with his love and to be a blessing for them. Please pray for their children for schooling. So now we have some schools who open afternoon um, to take the children and to teach them, even though it's not official schools, but still helping. Uh, Just for the leaders who carry the ministry on a regular basis, just uh, that the Lord give them the strength and the wisdom uh, as they serve. And, uh, you know, appreciate prayer for the different places we mentioned between, you know, Egypt, Lebanon and West Bank, Gaza, Jordan.
0: Just It's just been about a year ago that my wife and I were in Jordan and we met with some of those Iraqi refugee families. And the hardship that they face of years of just kind of being in a holding pattern, like like – we want to go to the West. We don't know when that will happen. We can't work. Our kids can't go to school. We're just waiting. It was so heartbreaking for us to kind of hear how long that goes on and how hard that is for them. So I would just encourage our listeners, please do pray for them and pray for God to work. And as you mentioned, the the leaders in that work, they could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they still wouldn't meet all the needs. Uh, I would just encourage our listeners this week to pray for the work among Iraqi refugees in Jordan and in some of those other surrounding nations. Pastor Hannah, you mentioned some of the lessons, and you talked a little bit about some of the lessons of persecution, but are there other other lessons that you've learned through the suffering and through the persecution that you would like to share?
1: You know, one of the things the Lord taught me in the time of persecution, he said, Hannah, is the the best place for you just to be in the midst of my will. Uh, If you are in the midst of my will, even if you live in one of the most difficult places in the world, like Gaza, that would be the best place for you. But if you are out of my will and living in the greatest country in the world, America, that will be the worst place for you. So the best place for you and for me, loved one, God, help us, wherever we live, to be in the midst of his will. Because that's the best place and the safest place. To be in the midst of God's will doesn't mean there no, will be no trials or uh, difficulties, but that will be the best place. And also the Lord taught us the cost of discipleship. You know, Brother Todd, You know, many people want to follow Christ. But the question is, when there is a price have to be paid, how many of us are willing to pay that price? You know, uh, also, always I try to remind myself, it's an honor that we are being called a Christian. But you know, the word Christian or Christians mentioned only three times in the whole Bible. But the word disciple mentioned 232 times. Wow. So what I'm trying to say It's an honor to be called a Christian, but really the heart of God, loved one, for me and for you is to be real disciples, to be a real follower. Um, Amen. Amen. We've been talking
0: this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Pastor Hannah Massad. He is the founder and the president of Christian Mission to Gaza. Again, their website, cm2g.org. We'll give you a link at vomradio.net. Pastor Hannah, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for blessing us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: Thank you, Brother Todd. It's a great blessing to be with you all.
0: Thank you for listening this week to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the free Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Just come to vomradio.net. Click on the link at the top of the page that says Free Magazine. We would love to send that to you each month with the stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters. Also, I'd appreciate it if you would take a few moments to rate and review this podcast, wherever it is that you're listening. That's a great way to help us reach new listeners with the stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters. You can also help us reach new listeners by sharing this episode with a Christian friend and with your pastor. Maybe you just want to text a link to them right now. You can also give financially to support VOM's work helping persecuted Christians, providing Bibles, and supporting frontline ministry. Simply click on the Donate tab at the top of vomradio.net, or you can go directly vomradio.net slash donate. Thank you for taking the time to listen this week. I hope you'll join our conversation again next week to hear more stories of the faithfulness of persecuted Christians and the amazing things God is doing in hostile and restricted nations. All of that right here on The Voice of
1: the Martyrs Podcast Network.